This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hello, I'm Max Rushton and today we bring you something a little different following the sad news of the passing of Jack Charlton at the age of 85. Charlie Baker and I heard the news 10 minutes before we came on air last Saturday and we obviously cancelled everything we'd planned to pay tribute to a hero of English and Irish football. He spent his entire career with Leeds United, making a club record 773 appearances and helping the club win the first division title, an FA Cup, a League Cup and their first ever European trophies. He also led the Republic of Ireland to their first major finals at Euro 88 and the quarterfinals at the World Cup in 1990. And of course, he was there with England in 1966. Above all of that, though, and it comes across from everybody you'll hear in this podcast, he was just a great bloke. Me and Charlie are indebted to Tony Cascarino for staying with us and all the guests who came on despite their sadness at hearing the news just moments before. You're listening to Game Day, celebrating the life of Jack Charlton. My first time I ever met him was at Leeds United when I was playing for Millwall in the Championship and we went to Ellen Road and I'd been in the England squad, uh, Ireland squad uh, with Owen Hand for three games and Jack had took control, had had an injury. I played that night and uh, at Ellen Road and I, as well, I was walking to the away dressing room, Jack went, oi! And I looked up and he went, do you want to come play for Ireland again? And I've gone, <laughs> yeah, please, yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Jack, he said, last time I watched you, you were absolute garbage. <laughs> and that was it. And that was my first meeting with Jack. And a very funny man, very sensitive man, very loyal man, family man, know his children, you know, his three children, I've met them, uh, his wife, Pat. Um, I knew Jack was bedridden uh, over the last 10 days. I'd heard that news that Jack was in, in bed and uh, it was nigh. Um it's very sad. I'd always like to think, though, I'd remember Jack for many happy reasons uh, because he made it fun going to join the Republic of Ireland. None of us pulled out. Mm. Everyone went along, wanted to be there, and he'd let, he's, he'd let us let our hair down a bit too often, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I always said we might have won the World Cup if we didn't drink as much as Jack allowed us to. Um, yeah, it was fabulous. He's, he's, do you know what? Stood out to me very early on. With, and you know when you talk about tactics and pressing, and, and we did press as a team. Um, that's how we played under Jack. But even one of my early experiences in the dressing room, I'm thinking my first home game at Lansdowne Road under Jack, I remember what, looking at the uh, the boards of all the instructions, and there was nothing on it. And I kept looking at it thinking it's 20 to 3, and we used to play at 3 o'clock. <laughs> Look at the board and think, when is... Um, are you going to put down who's picking her up at set pieces, blah, blah, blah. And then 
eventually approached him and said, Jack, corners, set pieces, who am I picking up? He said, pick up a big one. That's what my teams do. <laughs> pick up a big one. Little wow. ones pick up little it's ones. Amazing, and big, isn't it? big ones pick up big ones. That's what we do. And, I, and look, Max, there's so much I could say about Jack and experience. It's a sad day for football and for his family and... And then, you know, just knowing Jack is an experience and it makes me... It feels like I've lost a family member and I'd like to say on behalf of everybody, I think we'd all feel the same within the mm. Republic of Ireland team. Um, listen, I was on air when Gordon Banks passed away and, and what I found during that show was that there were lots of people listening to this who don't... who are not old enough to remember Jack as a footballer, right? No. But I remember him as a manager. That's, that's, how, that's what he was in my mind. It's probably the same for you, Charlie. Yeah. But we want to celebrate his life yeah absolutely right? and, and you know so many people will have stories about Jack Charlton mm. and if you saw him play you can tell us I, I watched the 70 did he play in the 73 cup final I think was that the Sunderland game I watched that recently yeah. Yeah. and you know they were a tough team that Leeds team with, with Jack and, yeah. and Norman Hunter I wasn't sure if he played in that particular game but what I would say out of all the years I, kn- yeah. I knew Jack he never mentioned winning the World Cup once really Never really? mentioned, never talked about it. The only time he he showed any sign is when we played England at Wembley in the early 90s, around 92, where um, Jack got a lot of stick from the English public, obviously marching the island team round mm-hmm. and it had the, the track around the ground, didn't he, at that particular time. And I was next to him walking around because I was a sub that, that night, uh, was that he took a real umbrance to the way England fans were traitor you know and yeah and he was upset he was talking to me as we were walking to sit down saying like i won the world cup for the, that's the only time wow. he ever mentioned it so i knew i knew at that time how sensitive jack could be um let's hear um from another world cup winner george cohen um uh, he spoke a while ago to talk sport about jack charlton and uh, as a player and what a revelation he was for england jack jack came in rather late i think he played about 35 games for england um as i recall and um, I remember him coming in and, and uh, I found, for me personally, I found him a revelation, quite frankly, because there we have a tall guy who can run, a tall guy that understood the game. And you, you understood, what was good for you, you understood that because he, he, he knew the game so well, that you could, you could do things, you know, that you may not possibly have done before. Uh, George Cohen there talking about Jack Charlton Collins says Jack was much loved over here in Ireland uh, for the obvious he got it he simply got it what made the fans tick he literally could have walked on water uh, which leads <laughs> nicely to his real passion Collins says of, of fishing <laughs> you, you were saying Cass he, he taught you how to be a centre forward yeah one I I think as a, obviously Jack was a centre half and I one day joked with Jack in training and said I'd love to have played against you I wouldn't have by the way I just joked you know because I knew he'd react to it and he said to me right I'm going to tell you I had Alan Clark proper centre forward you know you're not the same Mick Jones at Leeds United more of my sort of stature and the way he played and he said you need to do certain things in your game and how to drift onto fullbacks and how you lead the line and and he gave me so much instruction of things that centre-halves hated you know, that, that he wanted me to do for the Republic of Ireland. And I think he... He, he was very clever, Jack, on small details. Mm. Things he wouldn't even... I mean, he would never get caught up in just too much information. He would never do that. He would just give you two or three instructions. The things that, when we haven't got the ball, what we do when we have got the ball, and also, especially with international football, is different places or different countries play different ways. 
And this is one of their strengths. Like you always just say, Eastern Europeans want to switch the ball on you. They want to play the long diagonals. Mm. They want to attract you all into one side and then switch the ball to a long diagonal. You know, just talk about yeah. that. And it was just really, really... I mean, look, you mentioned Ireland there. He was, literally, he could walk on water. Yeah. And he loved it. I mean, he the, loved it. There is the story that he, he would always take you out for dinner. And write a check, and every uh, yes, every yes, restaurant yes. has a framed check. On yeah. What was he like as a as a bloke? Yeah, he was incredibly stingy, <laughs> incredibly <laughs> laughable, funny. Me and Andy Townsend bought him a cap one day. Uh, he asked because we go the day before a uh, game, we'd go to Grafton Street and we'd do an hour, not say shopping, just a cup of coffee and maybe buy some odd bit. And he asked us to get a cap, and we decided. Me and Andy thought, yeah, we'll present it in front of the lads in. Uh, uh, at the dinner at night and there we did we presented it trying to mock him lo and behold we came out everyone laughing at us too because he literally embarrassed us in front of the rest of the lads and said we asked Andy gave him the the ticket or the six ninety nine yeah. punts at the time it was for the hat we gave that Jack I said give Jack the bill <laughs> and he looked at it and he just went you two I've made you millionaires you were you were garbage you were both in the league you <laughs> literally buried us like, and it was like it was just funny it was, um, it was typical Jack Bobby could play, I couldn't, but I was bloody good at stopping other people playing. <laughs> Which is as much a part of the game, actually, as actually being able to play. As long as you've got the sense when you win the ball to give it to somebody who can play. And that's, that's what Bobby was, he was a player. To be here as winners of the FA Cup has often been described as the summit of a footballer's ambition. How much greater was the triumph they enjoyed now? May we, in 1970, be represented by a team of sportsmen as good as these winners of the World Cup. You've used the word legend, and it's used too much in football, but, but, but not for Jack. There was some, we could all give. I could give you 20 stories on Jack. Ray could do the same, and many other players. Paul is a Leeds fan. Hey, Paul. Hi, good morning. 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 Thanks so much for hanging on. Um, uh, obviously a sad day, but we want to celebrate his life. What are your memories of Jack Charlton? Well, my memories go back to 1966. Uh, when we were playing Valencia in the first cup on a cold February morning, uh, evening, sorry. And Jack was one of the first centre-halves who used to go up against the goalkeeper at the corners. And that's why he scored so many goals. And the Spanish weren't used to how uh, Jack was playing. So when he went up to the corners, they used to push him and kick him. And he, he was starting to lose it. Anyway, in the second half, we were up. My recollection is I was in the West Stand facing, and we were had a corner at the scratching shed, which was an old horrible stand behind one of the goals. And he was getting pushed and kicked, and he absolutely lost it. He started running after, chasing one of the Valencia players. His <laughs> arms were swinging all over the place, and he's got big arms, right? He's yeah. not a small guy. He was lost it. He ran half the length of the pitch to get this guy, and he all all held that loose. And like the, the the play had to be suspended. Everyone was sent, was taken off, and like for twenty minutes, the play was stopped as everyone cooled down. I think three players got sent off uh, from that, but it was just like an incredible, <laughs> incredible thing to see. It was just, it was such a character. It was, mm. it was great. And what, um, uh, and just what you know, give us an idea of what he means to Leeds fans. Well, he, he was the Leeds, the Leeds era, you know, the Reeve era was just something special. You know, it, it was we were we were the best team in the world at that time. Okay, there was no social media and the, and the TV wasn't as worldwide as it is now, but we were just a great team. And and Jack epitomised that. He was he was just 
so solid. So he was just, he was just, he had, he had such character. He was so wonderful to 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 be in his presence. You know, it was uplifting. I, I was I was at Barcelona when we uh, when we beat Barcelona to go to the um, European Cup final, and I, I was. And the next morning, I was in the. Uh, I was in the uh, terminal going, going, going home and he was there with some of the players and they were all drinking like at nine o'clock in the morning. They were just so normal people. They weren't flash. They weren't, they didn't, they, didn't, they just enjoyed their lives. You know, as, as some of your people have already said, he made people happy. He made, he made us all smile. He was, it was just great. It was, it's how football should be. You should enjoy it. Enjoy what you're seeing. And, and and express yourself. This is football, you know, to have a smile on your face and not no 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 social things, uh, no social things. And just just get on with life. Mm. It was a great great time for football, and he'll be sadly missing all the all the footballers of that era who just enjoyed what they were doing and doing it for the sake of mm. of being good footballers. You use the word legend, and it's used too much in football, but but not for Jack for what he done. Uh, domestically with Leeds, uh, winning the World Cup, which he should have been knighted for. Still never understood that. I think that's an absolute disgrace. Uh, and the fact that he done so well with Ireland. Tony will tell you, you know, he changed uh, everything about Irish football because there was a stage where we hadn't qualified for tournaments. Uh, we had some great players and some very good managers, but didn't quite get over the line. Jack came in and changed that mentality, got us to two World Cups and one European Championships and you know his legacy within Ireland is absolutely huge mm. right it's hard to describe because as a footballer in many clubs we play for sometimes we have managers who uh, can treat you not like men I think Jack stood out for me in always that whatever he did with us he always talked to us like we were men not you know young kids being nurtured or he just treated us what he felt we were do you know I think he learned that from Don Ravy you know and the players that he had there uh, Tony you know, if you look at that lead side back there with Billy Bremner, Johnny Giles, Alan Clark, you know, all them boys there, Norman Hunter, you know, I, I think they had real men. And I think uh, he understood that, Jack. He understood what made the players the players that they were. It wasn't to treat them like school children. If he wanted to have a pint at the right time, he'd encourage you to do that. And many times did he do with that with us, Tony. You know, we'd be out and he'd take us down the pub. You know? <laughs> Couple of pipes, never buy one. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ray, there's, a, there's an Irish phrase I like, which is that he was some man for one man. And when you look at his career, of of a playing career and his management career and becoming iconic in a different country and winning the World Cup, all those things, just just see, and also to be the brother of one of the best players of all time and still succeed. I mean, some man for one man. He, he was. You know, there are certain characters in life, Tony will tell you, when you walk into your room, you know, you know when someone special's walked in there, because everyone sort of turns. He had that uh, persona about him. That was a, the personality that he, that he was. You know, you knew it when he was in the room. He was very loud, very brash, but, you know, mm. great humility about him. He, was, he never, like, uh, showed you how much he was worth, or you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't spend what he didn't have. He was one of these characters that he knew the importance of money. They knew, he knew the importance of having good people around him. Uh, yeah. And he was just a truly fantastic man. Great gentleman. I'll tell you a story, like a true story. I, I went to interview him up at his house. This was only about four or five years ago. And uh, I'd seen the uh, World Cup winner's medal before. And I'd say to him, we've still got your World Cup winner's medal around in the house somewhere. He went, yeah. And they went upstairs and he brought down a little tinder box that you probably go into your DIY store and, and, and pay about two quid for and I went to him, surely your World Cup winner's medal, the greatest medal you can achieve, isn't in that little 
little box. <laughs> he went, yeah, opened it up, and there it was, the greatest prize of all. And that was, was him. He, he, you know, there you go. That's what it was about. Yeah, I won that, Raheem, back in 66. But you know what? It's memories. Just a great, great character. What did he do for your career, Ray? Oh, huge. Absolutely huge. You know, don't forget, I was at Oxford when I first got my international cap. He came to see me at Aspen. Well, he didn't come to see me. He came to see John Orry's. <laughs> uh, and then he found out that my father was born in uh, Donegal and, uh, and then he rung me up and said Ray I'd like you to come and join us best decision I ever made because if you look at my career from then on going to play for Liverpool after mm. that and uh, play for Ireland but 73 times is all down to Jack to be honest mm. um, and Cass you know you you do have this image of a like you say that just a, the number of stories that I've heard you or, or Ray or Andy Townsend or you know that whole Ireland squad mm. talk about the mentality that he brought to that squad made it like a club squad. Like maybe Ray said had a, let you have a pint at the right time. Yeah. But in my mind, he let you have a pint any time. Yeah, well, he would say on the night before a game, and Ray would have been there, he'd rather you'd had a pint than a fizzy drink. He hated fizzy drinks. He'd say, you're not, why are you drinking that? You know, and he had, there was, we could all give, I could give you 20 stories on Jack, Ray could do the same, and many other players. I can remember sitting and watching the Dutch, we're playing the Dutch in 96, and we're uh, at Anfield, and Jack put a video of the Dutch team on, and they're watching and watching, and all the lads are looking at each other, is that the Dutch, Dutch <laughs> that's not where's where's I don't know where's David's where's Zedoff where's Cleaver Cliver and no one's playing then we realised we're watching the Dutch under, under 21 right <laughs> so we're all laughing about watching the Dutch under 25 Jack's response is typical Jack what are you laughing for the under 21s they all play the same way anyway <laughs> so just watch it <laughs> and it's you know that was Jack and you couldn't help laughing could you Ray well, the other, the other story, Tony, when we were about to play, it was at Italy in 1990, and obviously we were very nervous, quarterfinals of the yeah. World Cup, and Guinness had just brought in some barrels. Oh, Jack, yes, yeah. And we're all, so I'm downstairs, and they've set up this bar for Jack, and Jack's looking at me, he said, what do you think? I said, it looks, <clears throat> looks lovely, Jack. Right, he said, do you fancy a pint? I said, Jack, don't say it if you don't mean it. If you mean it, fine. He said, i tell you what, go and tell the rest of the team, they can have two pints maximum. Well, you've never seen so many people running down the stairs. It was like a hair <laughs> All running down. We're all sitting outside. Andy Townsend's playing games, getting Jack to slap the back of his head. It was the best fun that we've had. But yeah. said killer Jack, he just knew instinctively what was the right thing to do. Because he knew we were nervous. He knew that we hadn't been in this situation before. And he just wanted to calm everyone down. Just pure genius from his point of view. Yeah. And Ray, did he... I mean, did he... I imagine, like, did he keep you grounded like, after you scored that goal? We were joking about it on on Talksport last Sunday, weren't we? You know that that shinner that you scored, and 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 uh, you know after that game, what what was he like? Well, the, the one in '88 was the one, Max. Really, when I scored against yeah. England, he said, "Don't ever do that again." And I thought, <laughs> what, what's going on in England? Because it's England. He went, "No, don't you ever score that early again?" He says, "That was the longest eighty-four minutes in my life." <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, incidentally, just one quick one. So, sorry there, Charlie. No, we would rather you two just talk. Uh, yeah, no, yes. I was going to say, one of the funniest things about the Italy game, Ray, was when I was on the training pitch the day before and he just from nowhere came out and said, look, you're playing Italy in Rome in the Olympic Stadium. The referee's going to give you nothing. You'll be going home the next day. <laughs> <laughs> well, a team talk to play Italy. And it's like, yes, we did go on, but it's actually probably our best performance in the World Cup of 1990. You know, the way we played. Just on them, see them sort of stories. He meant, you know, he, he saw it was tongue in cheek. Because even in, you know, remember when we were playing Romania, 
He went, don't you get any thoughts about winning this game, lads? He says, because I've got fishing books. <laughs> <laughs> I've got something on in the next few days. Don't you think about winning this game? <laughs> but that, he, when I think back to that, that penalty shootout, you know, the... Yeah. the, uh, the well, me and Ray both took penalties. Exactly, yeah, yeah, when I think back to that, I'm exactly... You can talk about it better than me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mine's, mine's just remembering how I felt. You, he filled a confidence in you as a as a viewer. You you felt watching him. Oh, it'll be all right because Jack's there. So what, how, how it must have been as a player must have you must have felt ten feet tall. No, no, <laughs> we, no one had an idea, did we, Ray, about the penalty shootout? Well, let's be brutally honest. What, yeah. what he said to you, what he said to his was, as we were getting in the huddle and we were struggling to get five penalty kicks, <laughs> his words were, "You got yourself into this mess. Now get yourself." <laughs> <laughs> but is it true? I there was the story Cass about when he when he uh, when Ireland played Italy in New York and you thought it would be full of Italians the stadium. oh yes yeah. is this true yeah 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 it's on the bus going to the game I was because of my surname yeah. and you know New York oh, and then uh, Boston and we're going to the game and I'm chatting with a few of the lads and we're discussing who would have the biggest support at the game and I I was sort of defending and saying oh you know there's a lot of Italians in New York there'd be a, there'd be a split crowd you know don't you know anyway we get to the stadium where I'm standing there chatting to Andy Townsend and Flags from everywhere: Donegal, Dublin, Mayo, all across. The, it was literally ninety-eight thousand uh, <laughs> Irish fans in, in the stadium. And I'm talking to Andy, and all of a sudden, I get this tap on my shoulder. I look around; it's Big Jack, and he says to me, "Do you realise you're the only Italian in the stadium?" It's <laughs> <laughs> one of my favourite stories, but it is actually true. He, but that was Jackie always, and Ray will tell you, he always found a funny line without yeah. really trying to be funny. Mm. He didn't never, you know, it wasn't like some comic. But if you, and Ray would have been to an after dinner with Jack, if you guys would have seen an after dinner with Jack and your callers about memories, Jack's after dinners were hilarious. But at the same time, he had real tactical acumen. You know, it's not a, yes. you know, you, yeah. there's a, because everybody, I guess, reverts to funny stories about people. It's mm. just people like to be cheered up, don't they? Yeah. Well, Ray, I tell you, many times, tactically, Jack would have an idea about someone, something, uh, that he would pinpoint Ray. Well, I tell you, his best, his best one for me was when we were playing in the qualifiers for the Euros for 1988, and we went to Scotland, and he changed the team the day before. Uh, he actually played Paul McGrath at right back, and he played Ronnie Whelan at left back. We had practised it. He's not, he had, we hadn't done it before. I don't even know if the lads had played in any positions before, but he just pinpointed the two strengths in the Scotland team of the two wingers, and he says, right, I want you to nullify them. And I've got to say, I can't remember, there was the left winger for Scotland, uh, he didn't get a kick against Paul McGrath, and they brought him off at half time. He was that bad. I think. I mean, every time the ball went near him, big Paul just went rah. And see the lad was going, oh goodness! And they had to bring him off at half time. He was that poor. But that was tactically Jack. He understood, you know, the opposition, what their strengths were, yeah. and how we could nullify that. He was a great tactician. Uh, but just um, and it, the reason why we're telling stories about him is that we've got great memories. It wasn't just about what happened on the pitch. The important thing, the important thing in your football is the changing room and the manager and how he, he treats you and he treated us as Tony said like men and I think uh, we all responded to that and I'm sure every player you speak to today who played under Jack will tell you the same thing unbelievable character uh, Sean a Leeds fan says such a sad day for football what a legend that's the uh, the third Leeds United have lost this year let's hope they drag the mighty Leeds over the line in the next mm. couple of weeks thank you Jack from Sean so sad to hear Jack Charlton's died he did something you don't see much now he spent many years at Leeds passed away a legend that's from uh, Harry 
Uh, Paul says, truly one who deserves the accolade legend as a, as a player, a managerial motivator, a man never afraid uh, to speak his mind. Uh, Sam says, privileged to have some fantastic memories as a child of Big Jack, as my dad played at Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, we spent lots of happy times uh, with Jack and Pat, amazing man. Um, and Paul says, I'm too young to have ever seen Jack Charlton play, but as a Leeds fan, I'm aware of his legacy. Such a shame we couldn't seal promotion in time for him to see it. He's another legend we now have to finish the job for, R.I.P., um, Big Jack and uh, Ray Houghton, Tony Cascarino with us who both obviously uh, played from we're here from uh, Mick McCarthy uh, in about five minutes time as well uh, Barry Glenn Jennings will join us as well um, and I mean as a player like you, we forget don't we uh, I mean people who are old enough, and I'd love to hear from people who are old enough to remember who you know who remember the 66 World Cup final who remember him as a player Leeds fans you know like they've said they've lost another legend but Leeds fans who remember him playing this was a, a talented footballer Cass. yeah and you know you mentioned in the earlier part uh, you know Bobby Charlton's brother you know one of the most gifted players who ever played the game and Jack loved his brother by the way uh, you know there's been lots of stories about his relationship and a bit severed and but Jack loved his brother mm. he always called him our kid I never heard him say Bobby you know he, he was always our kid and um, he's he, he he had many special qualities. It's in a half hour that I've you know stayed on Max. I could stay here till this afternoon and we'd be chatting. And of all the lads who have played under him, we've had many conversations over a pint, uh, being at a function, and we have been in tears laughing yeah. about situations with Jack. But very rarely me- mentioned how good, and you made the point of how good he was tactically. And Ray's talked about story. There were incredible stuff that went on. He took, you know, Paul McGraw was used in many different positions with Ireland. Not only a fullback, a holding midfielder that he did brilliantly. He did that on Brian Robson in England when we played at Wembley. Brian Robson against Paul McGraw. It was an unbelievable battle. But Jack could recognise that Brian Robson was a problem. Mm. And Ray, he could, he, he could, you know, there's a real skill of managers to get the most out of a squad of players and, and you know with due respect to, to, to two of the squad here, right? You know, yeah. you, you punched above your weight internationally, Ray, didn't you? Yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, although, when we played in 88, Max, if you looked at our team, we, we had a, a team of winners, if you like, you know, mm-hmm. players that had all won things. But we respected Jack. He was a different style to what we were used to domestically. But we believed in what he was doing, and that was down to the results that we got. But it was just interesting listening to talk about a player, because you don't talk enough about it. We, don't, we didn't talk enough about him as a player. But Johnny Giles, who I'm sure Johnny uh, will be devastated today with one of his uh, teammates, and Johnny's got a great eye for players and great knowledge of the game. He said at the period when Jack got into England, he was the best centre-half in England that time. That's high praise from Johnny Giles, yeah, I can yeah. tell you. Yeah, it seems to be that sort of Rolls-Royce, sort of Virgil van Dijk sort of player. Is that right, Tony? Is that his- um, I think it was a bit more tougher than Virgil. Uh, <laughs> kicked, a few, uh, kicked a few more players. Yeah, kicked than a Virgil. few. I mean, uh, any of the Chelsea fans that be listening to this will probably think, yeah, Leeds and Chelsea back in the late sort of sixties and around the early seventies were it's a bit of a ding dong. Um, but Jack could stand up to most. Yeah. Um, probably everybody. Uh, fearless defender. Uh, this is from uh, Aaron. Says sad to hear about Jack. Can you ask Cass about the Harry Ramsden story? Is yeah, that, is, that a, is that a broadcast? Uh, that's is a true a, story. Is it a broadcastable story. <laughs> yes, it's broadcastable. It's basically um, Jack. I think had an investment in the Harry Ramsdens because we ended up going there the day before a game and having the Harry Ramsden challenge, which was giant fish and chips and sausage and pie. <laughs> the whole team met it, and then um, you know, obviously, we played. I think we played in was it Liechtenstein. Was it Liechtenstein? Ray, were you there? Were you no, there? no, yeah, yeah, no. We played. We, we actually lost to uh, Poland the following day, three-one at Lansdowne Roads after that game. <laughs> but the big story of it was was 
uh, in the Harry Ranter that time, there was a massive big fish. If you ate it, you got it for nothing. And Gary Kelly finished the lot off. And then he went training uh, afterwards at Lansdowne Road. And you've never seen 22 unfit lads. <laughs> and he got absolutely bullied the following day in the game against yeah. Poland. I think Tony Polster. Uh, yes. Austria. I think Austria. Austria he was yeah. Austria. Tony Polster got, uh, did he get a hat trick cash? Oh, yeah. Austria. But he didn't have to do much, Ray. We couldn't move, could we, after that? Jack, can I, Ray, before I let you go, just in a quickly, briefly, just tell the boys about some of the training sessions that were just unbelievably funny. Well, and he used, <coughs> used to turn up with his, with all his, you know, his shirt and tie, jacket and his trousers. And then obviously his shoes on. And then he would be doing shooting practice with Packy Bonner. And then we would be thick with mud. And Packy would be throwing bones and he'd have ball marks on his trousers. His shoes would be covered in mud. And he would wear that for the rest of the week, wouldn't he, Jack? <laughs> 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 he was just, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, listen, Ray, thanks so much for coming on. And these on. are the stories you can tell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks Cheers, so much Ray. for coming on, Ray, because it, it, it's a very difficult situation when, you know, when this sad news happens, and quite often we have to ring people up and tell them the sad news and expect them to come on air, like you to stay on air mm. and talk about someone very close to you who has passed away. And I think you, Ray, and, and Cass, you've done it um, wonderfully. It's wonderful to hear those memories. Mm. And we'll let you go. Uh, well, uh, we'll can let I you go. just quickly, Max, you, yes. on that, Jack would only want us to tell the funny stuff and being because Jack was a proper football man and a pleasure to play for and it is a sad day but Jack would want us to be remembered in what we're talking about the fun times we all had to Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds Salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on talk sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Uh, Island legend Mick McCarthy. Mick, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. And and sorry to talk to you on a on a sad day. Uh, how are you feeling? What's your reaction? What the cars? We had breakfast, cars and I the other day. They just bumped into each other, and yeah. it, it said he was very poorly, which I knew. But it's a real shock this morning to hear that he's he's passed away. Mm-hmm. Very very sad. Um, and you make a really interesting point, and it's a it's a it's a. I wrote an article about this actually about because I was on air when Gordon Banks passed away, and it's a, a difficult. We want to hear the memories, but we obviously very want to be very sensitive about letting people like you. We might be breaking that news to you, and that's a very difficult thing to do. And I'm, you know, I'm sort of sorry if that's, you know, oh, it, it's look, a, look, no, it, it, it's never whoever sent it. It's, it's never good news. Is it? It's never, no. it's never nice to receive it. However, it's received. Of course, it's, of course. It's more of a shock. I've come out of the house. Uh, 
Yeah, and I just I just listened to the chap talking there, and that's he, he epitomised the everything that went on in Ireland, Jack. He was just brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, and I'm glad to hear him say that he. I'm glad to say that a guy who was born in Ireland and, and was a 16 year old and with her there for him to say he lifted the country because well, I've said it a number of times. He kind of doesn't resonate the same way from me. Yeah, having been brought up in England, but playing there. It's almost like we're all patting each other on the back saying it, but to hear other people who were there and at the games and a 16-year-old supporter, I'm, I'm delighted he said it because he did lift the country. He's, uh, the spirits of everybody will lift him. What did he do for you as a player, Mick? Well, it was the happiest times of my career. He made it simple for me. And, and that's... I'll always remember him for that. There was never He never dressed it up as what I should be doing. Uh, it was... I'm almost giving me the advice that I got as a kid was <laughs> it was a bit brutal but when it back head in give it to somebody who could blow I know I know and it sounds brutal but it, it, I, I, listen when I heard it first when I was a kid I, I, I sort of didn't like that but then time to me, I realised that exactly was how I should be playing and, and he wanted me in the team for that and he trusted me and that was a nice uh, uh, gave me the captaincy and I wasn't the best player in that team. Nowhere near, you know. But uh, he, uh, he saw something in me. And I'll, I'll never forget him for that. Um, and I, I my other football blossomed as well when, I, when, he, when he was the boss at the club level. Did you take anything from him as a manager into your management career, Mick? Absolutely. You know, people always ask, what did you learn? I'm not quite sure you can just say on the spot what you learned from somebody. But when, when situations arise, and I, and I would certainly say that saying it as it is and not dressing it up and not giving anybody any nonsense mm. certainly I didn't take it from him but I remember going into press conferences in 1990 when I was a captain in Italy and I was I was always fascinated how he dealt with them and I, and I mean some people think he was really blunt I thought it was great he just said it, you know they asked him a question he gave him an answer and I learned a lot from him in that six weeks away when I used to go in press conferences and watch what he did and listen to what he did. And, you know, it, it was tactically brilliant. He, he set us up from when he got the when he got the job initially and he, he saw how we should play. He told us how we should play, each and every one of us. And if you didn't do it, you didn't play. There'd be no no hesitation in just hooking you off the pitch and you wouldn't be playing. And and for all, he got much maligned at the end there because we were kind of a direct team, but, we didn't. We played in the opposition half, that's all. Mm. And if you look at the players that we had with Paul McGrath, Ray Helm, Kevin Seedy, Tony Galvin, Ronnie Whelan, we had some terrific players. And, and he, he just got the best out of each and every one of us. Um, I think it's really powerful what you said that, and what it means to you that, you know, that guy who was 16 in Euro 88 and watched that, that he lifted the country. But but like you were in that dressing room, right? And that's where we weren't. And he, he lifted that dressing room as well, didn't he? Absolutely, he did. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if somebody, well, I, no, I don't think I know because I'm being as a player and as a manager. If somebody comes in and can find a way of getting the best out of his players, and then you start winning games. We went to Iceland for our first tournament under Jack, and we won the tournament. And we we beat Iceland away, and people like you know what you know at the time did that seem so great? And yeah, we've seen Iceland now in competition, but this is now thirty years ago almost mm. so. And then we beat, uh, it was uh, Czechoslovakia at the time. 
And that was unprecedented for us, to win two games away. And, and then you started looking around at players in our dressing room and thinking, well, we, we ought to be winning games away. But we haven't been doing it in the right way. And Jack, Jack gave us a formula, Jack gave us a tactical uh, approach to the to football that let us win. And we all gained confidence from it. And then, as I said, teams in 88 and 90, if you look at the players that we had, we were we were a proper team. Mm, yeah. Winners. And, and, and really, really, yeah, winners at club level. And, and you know, really, we were um, such a tight-knit unit. It, it was incredible how we, uh, we went through that time. I said it was the happiest time of my life. And I've got Jack to thank for that. Um, and, of it... course, I mean, the Irish fans that followed us. Was, and he, he brought them with him. You know, and, and it was funny if you're walking down the street. I remember me and Packy Bonnet walking down the street with him, and yeah. there was some girls coming towards us. Our wives were with us, and Packy and I, I think were puffing our chests out, thinking they were talking about us. And the walk straight past us, <laughs> and I was being Jack for an <laughs> <laughs> Um Listen, Mick, you've spoken beautifully, and I know it's a, a sad day, and and um, sorry we had to break the news to you, but thanks so much for coming on, Mick. We appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Can I can I just wish? Pat and John, and, uh, his, his wife, of course, who I spoke to just after his birthday, my very best, and said my sin- sincere condolences to the family. He took uh, Middlesbrough into the first division from the second division, and my memory might get gone by now because I'm getting on a bit, but I have a vision of his. He took us up with a record number of points, and I think he got manager of the year that year, and he was managing a second division club. I may be wrong, but that's 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 what sticks in my memory. I met him once or twice. He, he came in the pub we used to go in, had a game of darts with him. It's just, you know, it's very upsetting this morning. It really is. Because, you know, he's loved on Teesside. He really is. He's, he's a wonderful man. Mm. And, and he and he did so much for the club, right? He Like you yeah, say, he, 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 he transformed, transformed it. Yeah, we had Sunit there, Craig Johnson, these boys, and he brought them all along. It was it was a pleasure to go to the games. That's I played a lot of football myself back then, but you know we stopped playing on a Saturday and started playing Sunday morning so we could go and see them. That's one of the running themes this morning already. Is he takes players and makes them better and, and fills them with passion and pride and strength and and, and takes them and, and, and drives them forward. Yeah, I mean he took Sooners up from Tottenham. He wasn't getting a game there, and he, he joined Middlesbrough. And look what happened to Graham Sooners. Mm. Yeah, and it, a lot of it was down to. Down to Charlton. Yeah, he led Middlesbrough to the second division title in 1973-74 and he won right. Manager of the Year in his first season as manager. Yeah, and managing a second division club as well. Yeah, he's a winner. Yeah, Born <laughs> winner. Did, did uh, Laurie, they play, what, did they play good football? Yeah, yeah, it was a pleasure to go and see them. I mean, it was wonderful. It was a great time. A great time at Millsborough Football Club. I'm sure a lot of the people, Millsborough fans out there listening and probably agree with me. Yeah, listen, you've done a really important thing because we hadn't mentioned Middlesbrough yet and it's good you did. Thank you, Laurie. Thank Shane you, Laurie. is a Manchester United fan. Shane, how are you doing? How are you doing, guys? Uh, Pretty yeah. Saturday here in Dublin. Yeah, well, look, we've heard from a, a lot of Ireland fans already uh, and, and I've got a real image of just quite how he lifted that nation. Yeah, he was unreal. I mean, I was only... Um, 17 when uh, he got the job in 86 and uh, I was working my first job in Dublin in a hotel in the Burlington and uh, the day after he got the job he obviously was floating around the country and uh, he came in and uh, he came in and he, he ordered a pint at the bar and I kind of that's Jack Jan and uh, he, I looked at him and he goes oh you know who I am son like that he goes and uh, he stood me a pint you know and uh, that was the kind of way I remembered him but I remember, like, you know, my brother was doing uh, GCSEs or O-levels that year. 
or the year of the World Cup in 1990 when we, or 88 when we qualified. And the big panic around the whole place was, you know, how he's going to get out of the exams. You know, the whole region of school kids just go, you know, we want to see the, the European Championships. Yeah. The same happened in 1990 as well, you know. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's exactly right. I yeah. know if you're, because I was Get born, school. I, I had odd years, you know, I was 95, 97, so I never missed a major tournament. Give us an idea of what it was like to be, yeah, you're right, a teenager, a young man, while Ireland were uh, beating all before them. Yeah, it was, you know, it was unreal. 88 was the big one for me. I remember, like, you know, being, being my, my grands that summer, and uh, the big thing was she had a black and white TV. And uh, I persuaded her to go and rent a brand new colour TV for the European Championships. <laughs> <laughs> so she upgraded from a black and white TV to a colour rental TV that summer. Oh, and uh, uh, I was just, that's my biggest memory, you know. And then 1990 was unreal. I remember the parties on the streets when we beat Romania on penalties. The whole town just erupted onto the, the main street and the party went on for about five hours. Shane, it's obviously really sad news this morning, but for this past hour, I've done nothing but smile about a man I never met, but just watched from a distance and just heard story after story of how he made people feel good. Yeah, he's left a huge impression, you know what I mean? Um, I I, I can't imagine, you know, it's so special for the likes of listening to Mick and Kaz and and, and their their heroes to me, you know. And, uh, but, you know, Jack. Jack is just, he brought something to the country that we never experienced before in the international level. You know, and, uh, you know, it's, and only the sport momentum in Ireland started to gather pace then. You know, we've had it in rugby, we've had it in hockey and other places, but it really started with him. You know, it gave us the belief, it gave us, you know, to believe in ourselves as a country, really. I think that's where it started. And I'll tell you a very good story. I remember uh, I won tickets for the World Cup qualifier for 1990 on, on a competition. And uh, it was just before, just after Hiddlesburg happened. So there was a lot of security around the time about, you know, crowd, mm. because unfortunately it's what happened. God help all those people. And uh, I remember I was bringing my brother. He was only seven. And my dad said, look, I'm going to come with you just in case. Um, you know, he was just kind of worried about us in terms of the crowd and stuff. We were arrived to the ground. We only had two tickets. And obviously myself and my brother were about to go in and, uh, the, the, the turnstile guy saw my dad and he goes look well you know uh, he said look just lift, lift lift your kid over the thing and you can go into mine it was just based on security and safety of what had happened and I'll never forget that match we bet Spain won in and the, the atmosphere was unreal but, you know it was just very special memories Jack Charlton, Bremner. Oh, beautiful goal! What a superlative goal by Bremner! An overhead kick from Jack Charlton's flick. Bremner, wizardry. Charlton coming under it, and Corrigan fists, but doesn't get it away. Jones and Charlton! As the corner came over, Corrigan fisted it away, didn't get to it. Jones' shot was charged down, and Jack Charlton... Blocked it back into the net. Loading it towards Hutchinson, gets ahead to it. Towards good, with a shot! Now off the line by Jack Shoulder! Kick to Leeds United. This one going to be taken by Giles, and of course the tall number five, Charlton, has gone up for Leeds. Leeds, remember, a goal down. There's Charlton, it's one all. 
Bobby could play. I couldn't. But I was bloody good at stopping other people playing. <laughs> Which is as much a part of the game, actually, as actually being able to play. As long as you've got the sense when you win the ball to give it to somebody who can play. And that's, that's what Bobby was. He was a player. We went away to the competition and we thought, when we went, a little bit worried that we would like to bring some sort of credit back to the Republic. Makes us all just that little bit more proud to be Irish, me being now an honorary one. It was nice that the people of Ireland were, were surprised when we lost the game. And they used to be surprised when we won one. Yeah. And uh, we lost in Spain, but it was we were a bit under strength on that day. I've always said if, if, if all of lads turn up, we've got a lot of good players and we'll qualify for, we'll qualify for the next World Cup. I'm sorry we didn't win the World Cup for you, but we did our best. And I can absolutely promise you that every player here did his utmost, and I can ask no more of them. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.